I want to invite um, Father Martin McGill up on the stage, and I'm going to have a bit of a conversation with him. So let's give a round of applause to Father Martin McGill. Okay, you okay to hold the mic? Yeah, I, I could manage that. Well, uh, Father Martin and I have been working on the script for this interview long and hard for the last few weeks. So we'll see whether this goes as well. I made well. a lot of progress last <laughs> <Yeah>. night. <laughs> we'll see if this goes as well as we rehearsed. <laughs> um, so tonight, uh, this is your first time at this event, Borderlands. Um, what is it, by the way? Uh, <laughs> It's to be decided, to be discovered. Um, you, we were talking briefly at the interval and something stuck out to you about what Jen was saying. I wonder just what's your impression of, of tonight and, and maybe what you were mentioning something about Jen, what Jen said. Yeah, uh, and then what Azadeh was saying as well. And I, I think what was sort of striking me was that sense of encounter, that sense of when there's a real engagement. And I think Jen brought it out very well as wandering around in the morns. Mind you, the morns themselves, of course, will lead to that sense of the beyond. Um, and I suppose that sense, as it, again, listening to Azadeh and the experience of the conversation, and it brought me back to a, a, a Latin phrase which I absolutely love. Uh, it's, I'm going to quote it in Latin because that's why I learned it first, not that I'm a Latin speaker at all. Cor ad cor loquitur. Heart speaks to heart. And that sense of, I think, we move into sacred space whenever we really, in a sense, uh, just in, engage at that sort of level. And as I was listening to Jen and Azadeh, I think I heard some of that mm. and moving into sacred space. Now, we're in Belfast. Um, probably most of you would know Father Martin's one of the founders of the Four Corners Festival, which is a great festival in February, I think. Isn't it February? We're, st we're starting at the end of January this year. And end of, yep, end of January. Absolutely. I knew I'd get that wrong. Um, well, <laughs> it's just the way it falls, John. Um, so, um, but, and so you know the city. I wonder in, in terms of spaces, in, in even since you've been running the festival and obviously before your lifetime, what are some of the places in Belfast that stand out to you as kind of places where you've been struck, you've had moments of encounter with people or with God or, you know, what is in, in your wanderings around these four corners of Belfast? Yep. Um, so maybe I want to go back to something that Jen said a little bit earlier, which is the sense of, um, or sorry, it wasn't actually, it was your singer. Uh, remind Maria, me of your singer. Maria. Maria said, Maria, there you are. And I love this city. So before I say anything, I, I want to say I love the city. I grew up 14 miles from, from Belfast, uh, uh, very close to Loch Ness and the International Airport. So, but it really, for all intents and purposes, from 1980 onwards, I've been living in this city. So different parts, um, I suppose, back to mountains. And I think mountains are sort of a bit of a theme for me at the moment. Cave Hill, living in North Belfast, some of those walks, uh, and just up at McArts Fort, looking over the city, that whole sense of the, just the absolute beauty and the stillness of the city. And I'm just looking at it and realizing, uh, to quote uh, Dr. Heather Morris, this wonderful but wounded city of Belfast. Uh, at times the lagging, just wandering along by the, the lagging and, and the beauty of that and the peacefulness of that. Uh, some of those encounters, I, I suppose I'm also just a, 
bring a sort of a more serious note to that as well. But I'm also struck, I think there are a few places in the city. So I ministered uh, on two occasions in the north of the city and very close to where there was a lot of trauma, a lot of tragedy in parts of the city. And it's almost as if the ground is still crying out because of the blood that has been shed. Sorry to be sort of so strong about that, but just feels there's still something there, that there's a piece of work to be done. Um, some parts of the city in particular seem to be almost like carrying a very heavy burden. Um, but I've really got to love the whole city and I've now developed a, an interest over the last few years of uh, street names and figuring out, well, why are street names called as they are? And if anybody is on Twitter at all, you'll see, sometimes see me on a Sunday afternoon when I go out taking photographs of street signs. Why do they call whatever it is they call it? Uh, and uh, yeah, I was over in the, the north of the city, just off the Antrim Road, there's Lockery Court. I want to know why is Lockery Court called Lockery Court? So. Yeah, it's just an amazing city. Any any street name in particular stands out with a great story about how it got its name? Well, the most recent one um, in Titanic Quarter, uh, I'm really pleased with this one because I can now trace it. Uh, earlier this year, Titanic Quarter Limited uh, approached Belfast City Council. There's a formal procedure for doing this. It's in the People's and Communities Minutes to request that the new road, which connects with, uh, let me see, Sydenham, is it Sydenham Road? And uh, Queen's Road, the new road that's built there, could they call it Hamilton Road? And they gave the reason, and the reason comes from the name of Sir James Hamilton, who was uh, a very famous chair of the Harbour Commission in the 19th century. There was. I remember once on Twitter finding out that it was. It was like. Um, it was an old name for Serbia or something. It's Serbia Street, isn't it? Yes. So in the west of the city, just off the Falls Road, you've got yeah, Serbia. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, one of the things is I don't know what it is about us, but we we call streets after battles for yeah. some reason or other. It's strange, but anyway. Yes. Um, I I remember um, working with a friend years ago, and we were talking about actually we were talking about Father Jerry Reynolds. And he said he embodies to him what, what he was a Catholic guy. This my friend, and he said he embodies what what the the vocation of what a priest is, and and I found that interesting in the sense that I grew up in church spaces often and um, often Protestant and often kind of new church, fairly unreligious, and the person at the front who led the church was very much the leader. He was the guy behind the mic. Um, yeah, it was it was almost like a kind of charismatic CEO was the was the church leader I saw, whereas the way my friend described Father Jerry said he's he's a what a priest should be you know, I guess a shepherd or something. What what's your understanding or your of of, of the best kind of sense of what your vocation of a, of a Catholic priest is and what you're calling us. Uh, so, uh, just before leaving seminary, I was ordained a priest in 1988. The spiritual director gave us advice, which a number of still quote him on. He said, I'm going to suggest to you two things uh, to be a good priest. One is, love your people and say your prayers. Don't complicate it. Love your people and say your prayers. And I'm not sure if I want to go much beyond that. I thought you were going to have a really deep answer. That was, but that was good. But that was good. We'll remember that. I think we'll, we'll remember that. Love your people. And say your prayers. Say your Pray. prayers. Yeah. 
What's what is um, what is for you? What does prayer mean to you? Um, and what what are some of those kind of prayer writers who have you know, if you like, or prayer guides who have been important to you? Uh, they keep changing over the years, um, and at this moment in time, I'm back to the ancient wisdom of Lexio Divina, more Latin. <laughs> I don't know what I just put in Latin tonight. Uh, divine reading, uh, monastic tradition of a, a way of, of praying. And uh, I think that's come back to uh, a few years ago when I was in North Belfast, really um, discovering the story of the poor clares who were a religious order, an enclosed religious order living in North Belfast. Arrived in uh, 1924 and left in 2012. And uh, just finding out about their life they in some ways really spark the interest in the contemplative and in many ways um, that particular way of praying is about actually helping people into contemplation and contemplation is, is for all of us. It's not just for the select few. And I'm really loving that sense of, of just discovering that, rediscovering that and really wanting to share that with other people as well. And I'm reading a wonderful book at the minute called Too Deep for Words. Uh, I've just started it about three or four days ago and just finding they're, they're really nourishing. Um, uh, I think one of your giftings to the world or to Belfast right now is to start to come up with ideas and to get other people to kind of <laughs> do them with you. <laughs> one of which was um, a conversation, a good example before the summer is, uh, Johnny, I think we should do something about Peace Day, the UN International Day of Peace. And, um, and of course, we ended up, Father Martin and I, and um, a, a bunch of people put on a, a, a wonderful, very special event um, on the 21st of September. Uh, and in, in court, it was very much an interfaith celebration. Azadeh was there um, with music and art and, and faith through the la languages of, of different faith traditions. I would have kind of grown up often uh, with a strong sense that the sacred, sacred space faith was my faith everything else was was not quite right at best not quite right <laughs> at worst it was a lot worse than that um but you're someone who i know really values the 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 you know the profound the the holiness in encountering people of different traditions it's not diminishing your christian faith it's not saying well you know we don't necessarily need to believe anything I just wonder if you could reflect a wee bit on the kind of your en encounter with other faiths and why that's special to you, why it's important to you. Maybe is there a story in there of, of, of encounter that really opened your eyes in that regard? Well, I suppose if I go back to the word religion itself and, and so often in the media, so often in public discourse, uh, we hear like uh, almost like we need to get rid of religion. Imagine there is no religion. Imagine there's no heaven. Mm -hmm, etc. Uh, and yet what religion is about is it's about bringing people together, it's about binding, it's about connecting, it's about uniting. And I suppose that whole sense of just over the years uh, realizing that it had got such a bad name. Individuals, I think probably just the journey I've had over the years, the people that I've, I've been meeting, um, and I suppose there's a real sense of having uh, this idea that this city, because of what we've journeyed through, uh, because of what some of us have lived through. So I went to school in North Belfast from 1973 to 80, and then university 80 to 84 in, in Queens here. So that whole sense of 
being such a part of the city and seeing its journey, seeing the trauma, there's a whole sense of, we have a story to share, but that story can be shared right across the religions. And I suppose one of my peeves in the media is that they sometimes hear this phrase, this nonsensical phrase, the two religions, referring in a sense, of course, to Catholic Protestant. But the reality is we have such a variety of religions and religions which can, I think, uh, cooperate together, work together, find common ground in our understanding of the beyond because none of us at the end of the day fully understands what is beyond. Um, a couple of years ago, um, we had a real tragic um, uh, incident in, in Derry, London Derry, where the journalist Lyra McKee uh, was, was shot. I'm sure many of you uh, remember maybe seeing on the news uh, Father Martin leading the service in St. Anne's Cathedral. Um, I wonder if you, I asked you before if it was okay for me to bring up this story because obviously her, it's, you know, it's, we're talking about a human being and a very special person Lyra was to many people. What was your, what was your memory of that time of being asked to, to speak at the, uh, at the service, was it, a, was it actually the funeral, was it a service for her? It was a service in, service in St. Anne's Cathedral. In, yeah. I suppose it's, it, well, the main thing is uh, Good Friday morning. Um, Lyra had been killed the previous evening on the Holy Thursday evening in Craigan. And uh, just listening to the news the following morning, the real sense of shock and thinking, what? Lyra McKee, whom I'd been getting to know over the past year or so. I would, uh, I would have been aware of Lyra from Twitter, but then she actually came to talk to me in St. John's and we'd kept in contact, a little bit of banter as well. Um, uh, the last contact we had on Twitter was uh, she had been raising money along with others as well. So she was dressed up as a nun and uh, she had a very large pint in her hand and was sort of saying something like, uh, Martin, do you think you, could I get a job <laughs> in some of the local parishes? <laughs> that was the last encounter I think we had on Twitter. Um, so I suppose then the sense of shock Family then contacted me on the Friday afternoon to ask about being involved in the service and then the actual service itself. Working very closely with Stephen Ford from um, St. Anne's Cathedral. And I would have to say the whole s hospitality, I couldn't speak more highly of the hospitality and support from St. Anne's that I received at the time. And um, I, I think it's important to say, uh, probably most of us in this room have share some degree of frustration with our... Uh, elected representatives who, who don't have an easy job, but uh, you know, right now there is frustration in our society that we we feel like we live in perpetual gridlock and and the polarization. I heard Duncan Morrow the other day said to a group of people I was with that we're we're becoming more polarized again. We're going back to but back we're going back in time, um, and. And that service of Lyra McKee was significant because you, you gave very simple words and you asked a very simple question of why, why can we not do better than this? Why can our, at the time, the political parties were in, in gridlock and then it's almost like the overflowing of that, the cons indirect consequence is uh, extremists get radicalized and we end up with someone being killed. And you were expressing, I think, and maybe what the truest sense of what a prophet is, you were expressing the frustration of many people throughout Northern Ireland and throughout Ireland, throughout Belfast and, or Derry. Uh, what were some of your thoughts as you prepared that, those few words? And, and, you know, and, and you knew probably that political leaders were going to be there. Um, I was just, yeah. 
I suppose I feel I'm, I'm very blessed with, with friends across denominations, or please God, across religions as well. So uh, in preparing it, I made phone calls. Um, I talked to my friend Steve Stockman. I talked to the Reverend Harold Good. So the actual question, why in the name of God, does it take the, the, the death of a 29-year-old woman, et cetera, et cetera. That really came from a conversation, a phone conversation with Harold Good, uh, which became part of it as well. I also talked to Father Joe Gormley, who was uh, ministering at the time, had been to, to uh, for the, to, um, um, really minister to Lyra. I think at that stage she actually already died, and that was in in Alton Galvin, um, Father Joe Gormley. So I talked to him as well. So I had talked to a variety of people before the the address itself. But I suppose what I would really want to say in some ways is that whoever decided to applaud and stand up suddenly gave those words a real power that I certainly didn't see, um, and I had no sense whatsoever that that, that was going to happen. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I think I can speak on behalf of us all it, who really appreciated you giving words to the, the heart cry that we had at the time. Do you have, um, we often talk about hope. Um, you know, we were also involved in another project you're involved with, with Carmela and myself and, and Shona, different. Alex uh, is the service of lament on the day of reflection on the 21st of June. And part of the, the idea with that service is we, we we remember the pain. We don't kind of rush ahead. But part of remembering the pain is to look ahead with hope that we don't have to always live like this. Do you, do you, what does hope mean to you right now in, on this day? What is this, Tuesday, the, whatever it is, the 8th of November? Do you have much hope? Do we have reason for it? So l let, me let me just go back to that service itself on the, the 21st of June. And... Uh, um, I have to say I found it really moving. Um, immediately afterwards, I, I couldn't leave my seat. I couldn't leave my seat because I was in tears. And I was in tears because a couple of things had happened. I actually really moved, quite embarrassed because I was with some of my parishioners. And it was really fascinating because they had a variety of views. Uh, somebody wanted to pray for me, which was lovely. Um, somebody really wanted to say if you need to talk or whatever. But then somebody decided the best thing to do is just let him be in his tears, which I think is probably what exactly I needed at that stage. I was moved to tears twice in the service. There was a stage, I think, uh, that we had around about just as we moved into the silence. Um, one of the people whose dad had been murdered during the Troubles, I think, had brought along a little child. And then the little child started crying as we moved into the silence. And Alex Wimberley, who's here tonight, leader of the Carl Community community, was one of the leaders of this, this service there. And was making sure we had enough time for that. But this little baby cried uh, and was quite upset. And just hearing that cry, the unfortunate thing was that the mum decided to, or somebody decided to take the baby out. And I, I did something I've never done before, which is I went after and said, please don't take the baby away. Please let that cry be heard. And as part of the service, there was a moment where everybody was invited to take up a, a patch, uh, just to remind us that sense of the, the whole thing of native healing and the torn patch and all the rest of it. And the very last person to pick up was a little child. The, the family were on holidays and... Uh, uh, I think they're from Canada, I think. And they'd just been, they'd heard that they, they wanted to visit St. Anne's, they heard about the service, and their little boy picked up, very deliberate in the way that he was going to pick, none of the f his parents weren't going to do it for him, he was going to pick it up himself. That for me was a sign of something, that sense of that 
the young people, the children nowadays, are not living through some of the legacy that they're not completely spurted, but they're not carrying the same baggage, baggage that, that some of us had. So am I full of hope? Absolutely. Very much so. I mean, I think relationships at this sort of level are, 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 have really come on very well. And to quote my friend Steve Stockman, he will actually talk about that sense of things need to move up to Stormont rather than us wait for things to move down for Stormont because it's very much a stop-start process as we know only too well. Brilliant. Um, maybe just to finish uh, on the Four Corners Festival, it's, uh, it, what could we look forward to? Um, what's the theme of it this year and do you know, <laughs> do you have anything to say about it? Oh yes, yeah. um, at all. That's yeah. the simple answer. You can look up forward yeah. to it at all. Um, spent this afternoon we're going to do an event for our post-primary school children in, in the Belfast area. They'll be invited. Uh, the principals are getting the letter tomorrow. Uh, they'll be invited uh, to send two pupils from each of the schools to Ulster University. They've been really very supportive of us, um, as has Queen's James. They've been very good too, so Queen's been very supportive as well. <laughs> so let me, let me mention that there are other options as well, just not just Ulster University. Um, so the sense of uh, they're coming to do, uh, they'll have a input on, well, they'll have a little bit of um, the, the dreams that the, those who were involved in the whole campaign to bring Ulster to, to that campus, the dreams that they had for the city. They'll hear a little bit about that to start with. And then they'll have an award-winning uh, photographer, Mal McCann, who'll actually, who's a very talented photographer with a smartphone. So they're going to be invited to bring their smartphones along. And he's going to teach them how to use their smartphones. And then they'll be sent out into the city in fours to get some photographs, hopefully learning so, uh, with some of the skills they've learned from it. That's just the very first event. But then we'll have... Um, We'll have uh, hearing about dreams for a church, Catholic church at the minute, just going through this synodal process. Final evening, former member of the uh, Corrymeela community, Interjet, will actually be pre will be talking in St John's Church, and the final address will be the city where dreams can come true. Mm. So that whole sense of sending people out with a sense of hope and mission. Mm. I was just with Interjet today. Ah. About three hours ago in Liverpool. <laughs> wow. And uh, um, it's one of those few days in the world time where I ended up going to another city for a day and then come back. Um, but Indrajit was, uh, he used this phrase, we need to turn hostility into hospitality. And yeah. uh, he's a former leader of Carmel, as Alex was saying to me, he's, a br he's brilliant coming up with these kind of one-liners. Um, but I, I thought that was, talk about sacred space. We. Maybe they are spaces where we can see hostility turned into hospitality. So, Father Martin, thank you for um, yeah the the presence of of goodness you are in the city, um, uh, the that you are a shepherd, you are a priest to to many people, and you're a prophet as well, and you're a good man, and um, we really appreciate you. So, can you give a big round of applause to Father thank Martin? You, Johnny. Thank you.